Okay, so on this week's podcast, it's going to be Jermaine James as the guest, and it's me, as always, Chris Hitchin, as your host. So without further ado, I'm going to get Jermaine to tell us basically what he uh, he does. It's going to be quite an interesting podcast because <laughs> literally, as you guys know, I'm, my background's in investment banking and trading, and Jamar is a trader. Tell us about it. How did you get into it? Hey, Chris, thank you for having me. Um, I actually, as a Marine, I actually went into a, um, a financial markets back in, back in the days, it was called Primerica. And uh, I was actually just in the military trying to learn how to invest, learn about mutual funds, learn about the stock market. And uh, during that time, I was taking funds and investing in real estate. I just wanted to learn more about how to manage my own money uh, and take control of it. My first job out of, outside the military was uh, at Pacific Life, a insurance company. I worked in their variable annuities department uh, as a programmer. And I started uh, working on their systems, uh, the writers, insurance, the statistics. I ended up getting my securities uh, six and three license. And um, I took a real interest into, of course, I got into trading as a, a day trader and just as a way to make money on the side as I was working as a Programmer. I was a programmer, developed uh, buying real estate and, um, you know, end up meeting a, a mentor that he was a real estate developer, but he also traded. And uh, we worked together for about five years. I, I bought a lot of properties. And when the market crashed in 2008 to 2009, you know, I asked him, like, hey, what are you going to do? And he was like, this is an awesome time to be in the market. And we started picking up swings you know he taught me about market cycles and so the real estate you know we would get into a property for seven twenty percent it takes three four years to roi and then in the stock market we would do that in a week you know we would do 10 20 percent you know in a couple of weeks and especially back then when the market was crashing there's these retracement bounces that you would buy a depressed stock and about a month later it would be up 30 40 percent and so I thought trading was easy. <laughs> you know, the, the time I got in, I, I thought it was, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of it is about timing. When you get into it, you know, the, the volume, the sentiment of the market, you can get in when everyone else is fearful and you have time in the market. Uh, it, it normally works out for you. And uh, the, the transition for me is I went from a swing trader to a, a day trader. I thought that, hey, if I can make 30, 40% in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, Imagine if I can do that on a daily basis and, you know, going from swing trading to day trading, I ended up losing about 50,000 in my first year. The day trading and swing trading was totally different. I mean, there's a lot that you don't have. If you have time in the market, you're able to project, you know, good companies in, in, in the seasonal and cycles, but on a daily, you have to make decisions faster. And so, um, you know, in the, in the stock market, I actually learned that there was a lot of data that retail traders were missing. You know, I started working for T3 trading, uh, different trading firms, and I was in their uh, high frequency trading algorithms and realized that, you know, they were resetting levels on a weekly basis, retuning their, um, their strategy on a weekly basis. You know, that information was, uh, you know, I think priceless because I realized that there's key levels that machines buy it. And that allowed me to not try to get the perfect top or the bottom, but get the intraday uh, movements of the market, uh, certain bankers and certain things happen on cycle. Um, you know, just 
simple things like, you know, Friday rebalancing or closing out your shorts or certain rules that I learned in trading firms, uh, exiting a trade before major news come out and being clear. So you, you expect selling, you know, I took this information and I, I became a better trader, able to get, you know, small moves with my own money. And from there, it led me into around 2015, uh, a lot of the traders that I was working with at a prop firm, they start trading crypto. And to me, crypto was so much easier because everything was on a blockchain. And initially, when I got into crypto, it wasn't because I thought that crypto was going to take over the world. As a trader, it was an easier asset to trade. The movement, it was a vol volatile. You can catch uh, moves even back then. The advantages became apparent. You couldn't hide the actual entries. Uh, the, the movement and the volume was all being tracked on the blockchain. And so they, this made it a little bit easier to trade and understand when guys were moving out or moving into the market. So which particular cryptos do you trade on a daily basis? Then? So on the, on the crypto side, I mean, I like uh, Ethereum, BNB, and Bitcoin for the majority of my trading pairs. Uh, you know, for, as a day trader or a short-term trader taking swings, I think it's better to stick with the trades that you know where most of the volume is at. You know, doing a bull time, there's, you know, I like new assets on the altcoins because you can tell the sentiment and volume that is being uh, put into them. Uh, also in crypto, they have a thing called the unlock schedule, meaning that there's uh, private placements and pre-funding that happens. And when they unlock, you'll see a lot of movement on that certain coins. Certain like sand, Axie. Now you've mentioned a, a quite a few points there in the in the intro that I just want to uh, cover and highlight to our our audience. Your ingredients for being a great trader is perfect. I've seen and met many many traders in my lifetime. You're a marine, so you've got the discipline. It's really really important. Now, obviously, you you've you like me have traded both non crypto and crypto. And obviously, it's obviously we've got a crypto audience here, but the facts are the facts that basically when you're trading, you can pretty much trade soybeans the same as you can trade Bitcoin. It's the methodology. Obviously, the on-chain analytics that we have in, on crypto means that people can't hide odds from us. So it's absolutely uh, a game changer from a point of view of and competing against the banks. Right. And also you said how it's, it's difficult. And I just want to highlight to people just how hard trading is. We have a, a, a saying in trading, 90% of traders lose 90% of the money within 90 days. And also you said, you mentioned about losing the money initially. A lot of traders lose money initially and then give up. Give up. And it, it, it's an interesting one because obviously you you got to see this as potentially as your education, as your cost. What I say is don't ape in and lose large amounts. You've got to be in enough to control your emotions when you're losing and be able to stick with your strict trading principles and your strict trading rules, which we'll come on to. And then it's interesting because basically you've moved from, you know, trading stuff like the uh, S&P 500 to crypto. Now, there's a very clear definition when you trade in, so for instance, the S&P 500. It moves on the market open and it moves right. on the market close, i.e. 930 EST to, to foreign right. uh, EST. Now, obviously, crypto, as, as most viewers probably know, is 24-7. How does that differentiate between the two? 
How have you found that? Do you do you yeah, so, market open, or does it is it not work that way? No. Nah, so for on, on the crypto, I mean, you know, there's to me, it's a currency. So it is money doesn't sleep. It trades all the time, uh, all bit, over the world. Like FX, basically. Right. It's like it's like forex. You know, it's up is more concentrated. Uh, I think when crypto, when you look at crypto, you have to look at finance and technology, and you have a global market for for crypto, whereas there's different cycles. You know, we like to break the year down into, I, I learned trading through market cycles. And so when we look at the year and we have a quarter, you know, um, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, you know, we also look at crypto. I look at it as I break it down into six hour blocks because there's a different market in different times, you know, Asia, and England is open at one time, Australia, United States. Crypto There's different move a lot in Asia, doesn't it? It does. And so, uh, you know, one of the, you know, profitable times to trade is between, you know, 1 a.m. to 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is maybe uh, 4 o'clock Eastern to about 10 o'clock Eastern. And, you know, that's a, that a profitable time. really early. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and so that that is part of the freedom that I love about crypto is that, you know, we trade in, in the stock market when I was trading futures or I trading a uh, spy, you know, we had to be, we had to work as like a job and you had to be up a certain time pre-market, you know, yep. and it was, it was a lot of work with crypto. It gives you the freedom to trade around your life. You can pick up different times. Like one of my favorite times to trade is the Saturday night to the Sunday morning. So this way my family is sleeping, but overnight, I could be done trading by eight o'clock. It's quite interesting. It's very different. Then. <laughs> it's different. And, and it's, it's actually, um, you know, as you trade crypto, like one of the important things that you just mentioned is that you can accumulate knowledge and you can learn a lot of, about trading, but unless you actually trade, you know, and you can put 10,000 hours in of trading, you learn where you're good at. You learn uh, where movement and your trades are easiest. And then it becomes a, it kind of becomes a lifestyle. I mean, you, you have to work the charts. The fact of the matter is, is if you trade in, you need to be, you need to do chart time. And the, I, I call it, I call it the equivalent of reading about driving a race car. You can read all the books you want about driving, but until you get in the race car and drive around a lap, you can drive around two times and you may do pretty good, but not until you do a hundred laps, you know, where you really know that track. This is true. That is that is a really good, uh, really good analogy. How do you control your emotions? Because I mean, obviously, from a trading point of view, we've got two sides. We've got the strategy, which we're going to come on to, and then there's the big issue is is controlling um, your emotions. You know, before any decision I make, I have a checklist. It's almost like a. That is why it's so hard for new traders to day trade is because they don't develop the rules or a checklist when they're trading, and they're not able to implement that real quick because you have to make faster decisions. So day trading requires you to already have the experience. Whereas when you swing trade, you can go through a checklist. I would not get on an airplane if I if the pilot didn't have a checklist to make sure everything was safe. Sure. The same thing with our rules in the military and Marines is like, you know, before you fire the gun, you, you know, before you jump out of a plane, you want to go through and make sure everything is checked. It is the same way in trading. You know, I worked quality assurance in, in the military. I was uh, a quality analyst. And so every plane before we hopped on, 
and said it was good to fly. We had to get in that plane and take a flight. And so it was the double checking. It was the detail of this is our livelihood. Our money in the market is our livelihood. And so before I take a trade, I want to make sure that my strategy, my, my emotions are all in check. I don't trade when I'm upset. I don't trade when I'm rushed. And that is a, another key aspect. Absolutely. I never trade when I'm upset. If I've had a ding dong with a wife, that's it. That's done, I'm like, right? I'm like, do you know how much this is cost, woman? <laughs> uh, so it's like, it's like Father's Day. It was yesterday and, uh, you know, the market was doing well. But I had, you know, the kids wanted me to go out, wanted me to play. And I was like, I wanted to get in the market, but I didn't want to have that in the back of my mind. So it was like, hey, I can't trade today. No, my, my wife, she, I love her to bits and we work together. And obviously, as you know, she does a great job with this. But one thing my wife wants is instant response. So she'll come and ask me a question and I'll be just like, I'm in a trade. And that's <laughs> it. I need to concentrate. It is amusing. It's, it's definitely caused a few entertaining chats. <laughs> Best way of putting it. But yeah, I mean, do you, how fast do you trade? And are you trading the minute charts? Are you trading the half hour or four uh, hours? How, what what yeah. do you look at? So the, the futures, uh, the trading the markets in the one minute, trading the crypto in one, two hours, because I want to see volume leaving the market. And so I don't want to trade the choppiness. I want to trade the, the one or two hour chart because I can actually get a, the meat of the move. Like I said, that some people want to get the perfect top and the bottom. I just want to get the middle. <laughs> There's an old saying in the, in, in the business, and that is um, it's to catch a fallen knife trying to catch the bottoms. You're going to catch it once and you're not going to get right. your hands cut, but then there's going to be times where you get your hands cut. Yeah, a thousand percent. And I think that's where a lot of traders, they mess up. They want to be perfect. They want to get the lowest and they want to sell the highest. The money in crypto is in the middle. This is it. I, I, mean, I, have, I have a number of mentors and Timothy Marsh used to say to me, leave some money on the table, Chris, for, for the next trader. And obviously what he meant by that is, is don't be greedy, Chris. Because it's going to cost you. And I'm like, ah. in, the, in the early years, it did. There's no two ways about it. Because when you first start trading, you think, oh, all right, this is really easy. And then you're like, this is going to go to the sky. And then obviously that particular trade doesn't, it, it actually goes to the core of the earth. And that's when you realize you can lose quite a lot of money. So take us through your trading style then. So, I mean, obviously there's many different ways of trading. So the majority is I'm a, a sentimental trader. I think humans have an advantage over computers because computers don't have emotions. And we are able to read Twitter. We're able to read Facebook. Uh, we're able to track volume and price. We understand holidays. We understand the human aspect of levels that will get bought. We understand that the market is manipulated. So my thing is I look for you know, the, the overall trend. You know, the first thing I ask myself, is the market going up or down today? And do you, do you look, look, look at doing like multi-time frame analysis then? Multi-time frame analysis is a thousand percent part of my trading. Multi-year analysis, understanding, you know, uh, certain months, I'm going to have a bias. March, September, you know, I'm going to have a bias of, of down for both markets, crypto, you know, and, and people have to understand that we're human. So we're going to have a bias, right? There's no such thing as unbiased opinion on the market. You know, that's even an opinion. So accepting that you have biases and, and you are, you know, 
some people like to trade certain assets for a certain reason. That's a bias. I like that. Not having a bias is actually a bias. Yeah, not having a bias, right? And and I learned that actually at a uh, anarchist event. I, I go to crypto events that are, you know, full of, uh, I went down to Anarchopoco and Acapulco and, you know, the, the anarchists believe that being associated with anything is against their rules. But I was like, well, here we're at an anarchist event. You're a part of this event. So not, you know, being an anarchist, you're still picking a side. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. You're still picking a side. And so, um, uh, that is the market. What we see in the market is buyers and sellers and have to determine, you know, who's in control here today. Is it the buyers or sellers? And also understanding that the market only goes up and down, you know, um, either make small little moves or make big moves. If it makes big moves up or down, those are, those are the places that we make our money, whether a scalp or a swing trade. So do you use stuff like moving averages to gauge that for the trends? I mean, I love moving averages. I love, Lagora, but I'm, I'm a volume profile guy. I like to see the volume. Uh, I look at it as a, a bunch of buyers or sellers on one side who's in control. So have you come across the market profile then? Yes. Yeah, Pete and Reznicek is probably one of the best to, to have a look at that. He is a shadow trader. He's a very, very talented. And um, he, he's been doing market profile trading for many, many years. So it's interesting because obviously you, you can then look at the time, right? The price spent at a particular time within the volume profile. So it's, I like to look at uh, our, our trading pairs as girlfriends. If you have too many girlfriends, you never get to know either of them. <laughs> this is true. Uh, I mean, I, I own the trade for generally four stocks. Four so, stocks, right? Yeah. And that is two, well, two indexes, two stocks. And that's it. That's it. So, and I've actually said that to other people. I've said, look, trading is a bit like a girlfriend and, and the charts. You need to get to know them really well. You need to know them. <laughs> well, you you know, yeah, I mean, you need to know the cycles. You need to know, hey, when is not a good time to trade? This is true. <laughs> so, never fight the Fed. That's what I say. So, get a Fed announcement. Right. I'm, I'm out before the Fed. Because yeah. uh, it pretty much is gambling unless you know exactly what they're going to say. I mean, uh, last Wednesday, it, it was a crazy market, right? Crazy day. It was indeed. Hmm. But it was. I mean, obviously, we see big moves then. Then you can jump in once you know which way it's, right. it, it's going to go. I mean, when we had, um, and this is going back a while back, when we had Brexit, a lot of the traders I knew were all committed to we're staying in, we're staying in. I had no trades on and I was like, I'm not putting any trades on. I'm like, what are you doing, Chris? What are you doing? I'm like, I'm not putting any trades on until we get the result. And obviously we got the result that we came out. So then I shorted it. Right. Uh, and obviously everyone there couldn't get out of the trades because literally there were that many people trading. Right. Uh, brokers were all blocked and a lot of people lost, lost a lot of money on that day. It's trapped a lot of them. It's a lot of trapping that goes on. And, and when you understand the, the traps, they, they think they make it so that the market's going to, and obviously I'm just explaining it for the viewers. They make it so the market's going to go down. We think it's going to go down. So obviously you short it. So then right. they trap you in and then squeeze it all day. And it just looks like a little ladder. <laughs> all right. And, and that is something that, you know, the, the normal, tr the average trader wouldn't recognize 
and something in crypto that you can actually you can see the blocks coming in and where they're coming in from. So what's your thoughts on, on Bitcoin now at the moment? I mean, obviously, we've seen this big drop. Every man and his dog were talking about, hey, we've got support at 20,000. And obviously, then we said, okay, the next support's 18.6. Right. Um, I think it's a, it's a perfect storm. I think we'll, we'll see some bouncing. But what we've seen over the weekend was... Were you trading over the weekend then? Actually, I traded on Friday. I lost. Uh, I thought they were going to do a squeeze on, on Friday afternoon. I never trade Fridays to Saturdays because uh, normally it has low volume. And I, I, I took a gamble and I stopped trading for the weekend because I knew that, you know, what happened Friday was there was forced selling. You know, it, it was someone had to liquidate. And if you can look on a blockchain, you'll see that there is a lot of selling from an institution or a, a well, and they sold all weekend. And then you come back Monday and everything is back to where it was like the weekend never happened. This is how it's manipulated. And this is what... A lot of the young traders um, need to know, so to speak. Because things have changed now, because obviously before retail trading for crypto was very different, you know, right. three years ago. But now we've got the big institutions. Right. And the big institutions want to push price down at the moment. Because right. going to be blood on the streets as far as the retail traders. Obviously, right. we've seen it's uh, $1.2 trillion now wiped off, uh, off the market since beginning at the heights of crypto and there's over three trillion been wiped off the the american market since january so it gives you an idea just how big these these drops are there's potential if you catch those swings to do really well and it it, it is interesting but now bigger guys are pushing the price down and that's causing potential panic with the retail traders you've got to pick up that there's a wash. Right. It's an interesting state that we're in. I mean, I I think if the viewers, you know, if if they actually look at this weekend and see what happened, you know, it pushed down to almost 17 or, you know, 18,000. And then today it's right back to where it was on Friday before market close. So that means that the, you know, wells that, that actually sold off and pushed it down, it bought right back up. And it squeezed and liquidated longs and shorts. This is it. What I say is when you're looking at the trading, you need to, when you're looking at particular price points, you need to see who is going to get hurt the most. Is it obviously, if we're at a price level at 10,000 as an example, is it a case of if we go above that, are there more shorts than there are longs and who's going to get hurt? And that is who the market makers target. They target the ones that are going to get hurt the most. Right. Obviously, that's, that's now what we're seeing. I mean, it's interesting because obviously we're seeing Bitcoin coming down now. And obviously, we've got the, the crypto miners as well right. starting to defend the price because there's a number of crypto miners. Effectively, their set cost is 18.6, right. uh, i.e. the electricity cost. The top blockchain miners... I those that are acquiring their electric at three cents, they're about seven thousand. If you look at like the likes of Marathon and Riot, so it's interesting, uh, you know, who's defending the prices now. Right. So, so obviously, you're seeing some of the blockchain miners effectively liquidate so that they're out at, at cost. Hence, the right. we've seen further further downside from from that yeah. activity. 
and we also have to see that, you know, we look, look at funding, you know, for investors that come into the market, a lot of the big funds accumulated capital uh, at the beginning of the year. And it's in their best interest to push it down as low as possible. And so for miners to start selling or to turn their miners off, you know, I don't think miners will. I think that there are still wallets because you can track everything on the blockchain. There's more wallets with crypto. There's more wallets with, you know, that have more than one Bitcoin in a wallet. That number continues to go up. So it's 44 million for Bitcoin. It's an all time high. So it is. It's all time high. Yeah. <laughs> So this is it. You see, price is an advertising mechanism. And obviously, a lot of people don't realize this. Behind the scenes is what you need to be looking at is the on-chain metrics from a point of view of long term. From a point of view, you know, are we going to see Bitcoin hit 100,000? You are going to see that within the next five years. Are you going to see that happen within the next six months? Not in your life. Not until the Fed pivots and we see inflation at 4% and the, there's no hint of uh, them printing any more money. So we, right. we, don't know, we don't know whether or not he, he does like printing money. I mean, he's, he's got all these big printers and he's like, uh, we've we got to use instant cartridge just to get some more money out. It's obviously now we're in the situation we're in because they've printed too much money. I'll tell you what's an interesting one is, is watch Nancy Pileski's trades. Oh, yeah. Just wait, dig wait. digressing because Nancy Pileski has an amazing kind of tact or, or whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Of, so just getting in before prices rocket. She just she recently bought some call some calls and puts for Amazon, Apple. Yeah, uh, in, That's in, right. it was May, right? May twenty third. That's correct. It was. And then they guess what they did? They announced that they were going to become a bank and start lending money. So it goes to show the market is manipulated, and those that are in the know can do quite well. And you have to accept that. And and I think that is. We say if you're in crypto, you have to be a truth seeker. You have to look for the truth because the truth in crypto will set you free. All the, the lending protocols, the yield banks, you know, it was really just a bunch of guys lending each other money. And I think this market was designed to punish Ponzi's. It's designed to, there's no bailouts. So in crypto, when we have this stress test, the strong will survive and, and the others will fade out. This is true. But I will be taking my shopping bags out if I see Nancy Pulaski taking out call options for Bitcoin or Ethereum. I'll be like, right. let's go so get you, some Bitcoin. Nancy's got some call options. And, and where will we see that at? Because I, you know, I think we won't see Nancy do call options until she can go on the stock market, right? So it's, it's an interesting one. I think basically, you know, long term, we're going to be fine. I just think short term. We've, we're in for a rocky ride. But then, you know, things have rocketed so much, haven't they? So it's like, but for us, day traders, this volatility is fantastic. If it's flights, you're stuffed. Yeah, I mean, it, it's actually tiring. <laughs> you, yeah. know, the, the, you know, the, the best time is when the, direction, when the market is moving in one direction. So even on this drop, you know, if you can hold your shorts, you know, you're, you're fine. But the the human emotion of of reading, sometimes having too much information, it is uh, you know, it gets manipulative. And I think that's what happened on Friday for me, having too much information, understanding that it's manipulated, and also not expecting a, a forced sell-off. You know, I think we were gonna see more of those. Just out of interest, do you scale in and scale out your trades? All the time. 
uh, I scale into short and I never go all in because the volatility is a lot and there's a lot of fake out. So, you know, you, you hit key levels. Like I said, there's key levels that you're going to get buying. 18,000, we, we kind of know we would get buying at 14,000. You're going to get buying and then on up the selling. 22,000, you'll get selling. 28,000, you'll get selling. And these levels allow you to scale in and out of positions. But the, the most important thing is, you know, profits and losses, I think. And I think people, you know, they, they lose sense of that. They do, because basically it's the human mindset. People get greedy. It's as simple as that. It, it's great. They, they, they hit the 28 and then they said, oh, you know, this is it. We're going to 40. And then they'll leverage in and it reverses back to 24. And, and now they're at a loss with a profitable trade. This is true. Never turn a green into a red. That's what I said. <laughs> uh, never turn a green into a red. So it, it, it's an interesting one you said about key support levels. So what do you do? You Do you look at the weekly charts? And I'm obviously just questioning you for, for the viewing uh, here. Do, do you use the monthlies or dailies? Uh, on Bitcoin and ETH, are the daily support levels reasonable? Or is it a case if we've got to go out to a weekly or a monthly? Um, you know, I kind of use on the on the monthly on the um, Bitcoin and Ethereum. I use a ceiling floor ceiling uh, a ceiling floor kind of system on a day, measuring volume. And so you have your you have your higher and you have your 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 low. And if it cracks a new low on on a day, you know you know that it's going lower. And you don't know how low it's going to go. And so using a ceiling floor on volume for crypto is really effective. So you best potentially use a breakout scenario there. Breakout scenarios, breakout or breakdown. Yeah, so basically, just for our viewers, the breakout means if we're at 100 and that's particularly the ceiling of the price, we then break through that price and we've got a 101, then potentially right. there's no resistance. I would not got down selling pressure and obviously the price will go up. Yeah, that's 1,000%. And then we also can do that within, you know, a four hour, six hour block as well. And right. so I'll take that six hour block and, you know, you'll, you'll, you can see intraday movement by taking the, the volume profiles uh, intraday and then also in a month. I see. So on the volume profile, are you taking into account like the point, point of control and the pox? Point of control, um, the, the low and the high of the, of the month. Uh, and a point of control for the intraday in the day. I see. So you're very much relying on the support and resistance. Yeah, relying on the volume. And then uh, I'll track the Bitcoin and USDT in a total market volume. And if they're all... And Nancy Pileski as well. Let's not, <laughs> let's not forget that. Yeah, yeah, that. That's for the stock market. That's for the fundamentals. You know, I, I think uh, traders, they, they get confused with fundamentals and technicals. You know, technicals is for the trader on the day. You know, fundamentals is what's going to happen in the economy, you know, overall. This is so, true. So those are two big, you know, um, they're, they're different. You know, the, you can you can make a lot of trades just by reading without the charts uh, if you really understand the fundamentals. And then on the technical side, it is intraday movement where you have key levels that regular active traders use to make, uh, key levels within a day so that you know i think over a period of time the best traders they learn technicals and fundamentals and they have a bias overall but they can take advantage of intraday trading up and down so which traders have inspired you then 
you know, who have you studied? And who- uh, well, of course, I mean, I, I, I like W.D. Gann. You know, there are some, um, you know, he, he's kind of the, the, the fundamental trader that used everything available to him, moons and cycles and genius. Uh, <laughs> Right. Uh, there's other, you know, modern traders now like um, Stansberry and and um, know, Andrew Panacali that, that does the market timing reports, uh, market cycles, you know, just basically using historical data. Did you say Alan, Alan Andrews? Uh, no, uh, Andrew uh, Pananochi. All right. Yeah, he does uh, market cycles. I think he's out of London. Um, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these guys are the amount of information that we have available now, you know, makes trading a lot easier because we can get the historical data certain days through the month, money comes in and out the market historically the same. And so just having, you know, as a trader, if you're at 70, 80% with proper risk management, you're going to be able to trade profitably, right? If you win 80% of your trades. And so what you're really looking for is, you know, key points that, put the odds in your favor, right? And you know, certain days of the month, for every month, uh, there's money coming in the market, out of the market globally. So, you know, it impacts crypto, it impacts the stock market. And there are certain days you expect money to come in. And you can go back 10, 20, 50 years and see these cycles take place. The timing is what gets people off. Yeah. It's an interesting one there. You mentioned probability. Probability. Yeah, probability is one of the most important aspects of trading because at the end of the day, you have to have your odds stacked in favor. In favor, yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, at the end of the day, whenever you're looking at a particular trading strategy, it needs to have the odds stacked in the, ha- in the house's favor, i.e. You're, you're the house. So if you ever trade the um, S&P, I, I, want you to look at the, I want you to look at the 15-minute mark of every hour. There's always a move on that uh, after the first 15 minutes. The 15 minute mark of every hour, as in every a quarter past, quarter past the hour or, or on the hour. After the market opens, so after 6.30, you yep. go 7 o'clock. If you watch the market, observe it from 7. And at 7.15 mark, it'll make a move. 8.15, it'll make a move. And then at 8.45, uh, the 15 minute before the hour is coming to an end, the top of the hour, it'll also make a move. And those are the two periods that, you know, within that hour, I like to trade the first 15, 15 minutes and the last 15 minutes, because I'll get into a position, then I'll reverse it by, or possibly reverse it, or I'll make another move up at the 845 minute or 45 minute mark. I see. I will definitely look at that. I mean, obviously, <laughs> the fact is time fills are very important. Time fills. They're very good for you, uh, for young traders as well, for starting out traders from a point of view of, stopping people racing into a right. particular trade and getting confirmation, but not too much confirmation. Cause obviously then you get confirmation bias and then obviously you, you end up right. entering a trade too, too early. Right. As in you're entering it too late. So it, it's interesting you say about the times, cause obviously if you actually look at the times of the, the you know, the S and P as to how it trades, obviously towards the end of the session, you always see a move. Right. One of the reasons that is, is for instance, if you've been trading down all day, there's people that can't hold overnight. They get uh, close out calls, uh, potentially because they don't have enough uh, cash in their account. 
you then see a reversal. So obviously, if you look at the quarter past eight, our, our time, which obviously is, is going to be effectively about quarter past three to half past three, you always see a potential movement in price. Right. So obviously, if we've been trending up all day, you're going to have people closing out. So it, it, like you say, Mark, it's working cycles. <laughs> working cycles. I mean, in humans working cycles, the world working cycles, I think we we overlook some of the things that we have naturally available to us. So it's bringing us to the end of the podcast. And I have a few questions for you. Quick, quick awesome. questions. Let's go. <laughs> so, and you've been trading for quite a while. What advice would you give to yourself if you had to start again? The most important, it is probably have a balance and commit to the long-term study uh, of trading and tracking. You know, I didn't start journaling until like a couple of years after. I think we learned our lessons by writing it down and then also trading small. You know, I got into trading and I, I traded large from the beginning because um, I was I was jaded from others. Your, your environment jades you. You know, trading the community of like-minded uh, is also important. You know, you'll get in the wrong community and all these guys are day trading. No one knows what they're doing. They're all hoping. Avoid getting into environments where people hope uh, and get into environments where people are experienced and they've been doing it for a longer period of time. So you don't have to learn the same lessons. It will expedite your learning curve being around experienced people that uh, are, aren't marketers, that are actually traders. Um, yeah, I think that's a big lesson for you know new traders is that there are so many people selling so many different secret strategies and techniques that- There's a lot of YouTubers, <laughs> isn't there? Yes, you know- I, so I'm starting to make my Lamborghini. That's been hired, obviously. And right. I've made X number of pounds or- Excellent. I would say get a real mentor. I mean, you know, uh, just guys that actually trade for a living should be your your new environment, not not guys on the internet that you don't know. I think real people that you can meet with in person that trades will will help you understand the markets a lot faster than trying to read books and learn from uh, others. You know, any any fund that our our prof firm that I work for. They would always group us with other traders mm -hmm. and whatever you learn, you make it yours. This is true. I think you've covered some two really, really important parts of uh, points. One is journaling. It's priceless. Absolutely priceless. Uh, I, I journal and I will analyze my losing trades to the nth degree because I always, every single day, and I've been trading for many, many years now, I learn some every day. And it is it's critical and also sizing. You mentioned right. about size, and you're gonna. Uh, this is obviously tips for for you know for crypto traders. You're gonna last a lot longer within the game if you start small. Become, keep it small. Keep it small. Forget <laughs> about getting rich. Forget about the Lamborghini. The Lamborghini will come um, in time. The fact is. Um, is the is basically little and often inconsistent. Once you're consistently profitable, that's the time to start upping your uh, your contract sizes. Right. 
And I, I think that's those two pieces of, of information are priceless for, for, you know, young beginners, I do think. And, and, and always continue to learn, you know, uh, yeah. the market will humble you. This is true. The market can remain rational longer than we can remain liquid. <laughs> All right. I've seen a f- quite a few oil traders been wiped out overnight. You know, when, when Saudi Am- Amco got uh, bombed and attacked, a massive jump. I think it was about 20% overnight in oil. Uh, and it caught a lot of traders, oil traders out short. Oh, and- sure. The, the market has a, an amazing way of humbling people. All right. I always say respect the markets. Respect the markets. It's really like a motorcycle. You know, when you first start riding a bike, it only takes the first accident for you to no longer be here. So you always go slow and respect it. That's a really good analogy is that. I like that. Uh, it's, a, it's a cracking, cracking analogy. <laughs> so what motivational quote inspires you? This is going to be good coming from a marine and a trader. <laughs> um, I mean, motivational. I mean, I'm a big Napoleon Hill fan. Uh, you know, my whole business. Thinking grow rich. Thinking grow rich. Outwitting the devil. Uh, the keys to a loss of success. You know, a lot of it has to do with our positive expectations and uh, our environment. I think you know, in a mastermind environment, uh, the more you can give the more you receive. And so, you know, as a trader, when I started teaching other traders, I became a better trader. Uh, it kept me more disciplined and it was really giving to help others, but it really helped myself. I see. I mean, end of the day, you, your results have got to be, I've got to be spot on for you to teach other people. It's, it's yeah, so so it, it basically minimizes the amount that I gamble because I know that, you know, other people are looking up and looking towards the answers. And if I don't have it, I can say I don't have it. But when I when I feel confident, a lot of times we will do better for other people than we'll do for ourselves. Love that advice. Cracking advice. So where can our listeners find more about yourself? Where do you want them to go? Uh, they can actually go to dcgelite.io. Uh, that is our mastermind. Or, and they can also find me on Facebook or through my domain at jamarjames.com. Awesome. So I'm, I'm going to put these down for the show notes. Got some cracking quotes from this show. It has been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> so thank you very much for coming on the podcast. And let's catch up soon because I, I think it'd be good to see, you know, what's happening uh, in the trading, as in crypto trading, within the markets, you know, in the next three months, you know, are, yeah, we, yeah. Seeing, are we going to be seeing the bottom now? Are we going to be seeing 12,000? Are we going to be, um, are going to be reversing? In six months, I think we'll be back up. Uh, we'll be on the upside uh, around November and December. But until then, uh, I think until September, we'll still, we'll still experience some more pain. You know, I think uh, this entire first part of the year was designed to stress tests uh, everyone in crypto and is also getting regulated. There's also a, a big push on the IRS uh, on the taxation. So, you know, I think this year, um, you know, was designed for stress testing the market. Mm. It's an interesting one you said that because I, I think 
I said to my staff, I think there's never been a better opportunity within right. the next six months. I think within the next six months to, to get in on some really good projects within crypto, because we, we know the really good projects because obviously we've traded them and we've got a good, a good insight into to where they're at. But most of the decent projects, when we you know discount the likes of Bitcoin, are down 90 to 98%. Right. So literally, we're going to see coins 10x. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're seeing it now. I mean, just even today, we've had coins do 50 to 100% in a day, you know, and it's like, you know, we'll see more of that as the market gets more stressed. Because we've got a lack of liquidity, haven't we? And this is it. This is going to exacerbate the price movements. There's going to be no resistance when the price starts moving up because every... A lot of people are going to get liquidated or out of the markets. They're going to move out the way. And there's going to be a huge upside for guys that can remain in the market while everyone is being forced out. Well, it's interesting because we might see a Tesla situation on Bitcoin. I, we, should, we could see the short squeeze of the century. Because obviously, one of the reasons we're seeing this pain in the market is the hedge funds are now in. And obviously, the hedge funds are doing bad things. They're obviously making shed loads of cash. But obviously, right. as we've seen with GameStop, they don't <laughs> always they don't always win. Yeah, they don't win. So, and we'll uh, we'll end on that uh, positive note for the retail traders. Oh, hey, let's give them one more. Let's give the retail traders one more big tip. Go on then. Let's go for it. Tax loss harvesting. If you're down on crypto, make sure you sell while you're down, and you can rebuy. And this way, you can you can actually secure your losses. Right. And because taxation is going to be a, a big, a big issue in crypto in the next couple of years. So if you have the ability to take a loss, don't just hold when you're down, sell and then buy back. It's an interesting one you said that because just when you mentioned, you know, earlier on, I, I was thinking taxation. It's uh, although that, that, you know, the governments, you know, want to stress test crypto potentially, you know, so we can say, hey, let's all run back to fiat so we can print some more money. I think, obviously, it's kind of uh, effectively backfiring on them in a sense that pushing crypto down means less capital gains and less taxes for them. Only if, only if the guy secured the, the loss. This is true. So if you don't sell and you let it rise back, there's still a long-term capital gains that you'll, you'll, you'll have. Mm. Uh, if you secure a loss this year, at least you'll have a loss on your book. So, you know, if you ever do get out of it, you can actually show that you've taken a, a lot of losses when the market is 98% down, 90% down. In the U.S., can you actually carry your losses forward? Um, I think in, uh, so in crypto, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure. I'm not going to, I'm not going to speak on the tax, tax advice, but I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure on that. Right, we need a tax advisor on. I need a tax advisor on uh, as a guest. So, and on that note, I'm going to bid you farewell and thank you for coming on the show. All right, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me today and listening to this episode. As I've gone on my crypto journey myself over the last couple of years, I'm all too aware of the overwhelming amount of information available online when it comes to investing in crypto. So thank you for choosing the Easy Crypto Podcast. It means a lot to me. 
Hopefully what I've shared today will help you on your investing journey, just like it did me. There's no reason why you can't go and make use of what you've learned today straight away. I'm living proof that these secrets and strategies I've shared with you do work. Please, by all means, feel free to share this with someone else you know who could benefit from it. That's the quickest way that we can build a collaborative community where we can share tricks and strategies which can turn our crypto investments into big profits. In the meantime, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss the latest tricks which could transform your crypto future. Every week we'll be covering a different aspect of crypto investment so whether it's NFTs, mining or the metaverse, you really can't afford to miss out. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Christopher Hitchin and this is the Easy Crypto Podcast and I'll see you next time.